0: Recently, the question of whether we will ever have fun again has been in the news. In what is clearly a sign of the times, the New York Times ran an opinion piece called What is Fun? Can I Have It? Will We Ever Have It Again? followed by a second called How to Have Fun, in which the author begins, I've been in a funk, but let's be real— Who hasn't been? And she admits that she is more inclined these days to stay on the couch than go have an adventure. And in case anyone needs to hear this, she says that even though we are out of the habit of having fun, we can get it back. She recommends rolling down a grassy hill or watching the clouds change shape or doing anything that taps into what you found to be awesome as a kid. It might just take a little practice. Now, the author did not men- mention going back to church for fun, but I'd like to add that to the list. <laughs> My children will tell you that fun is not the first word they think of when I tell them they have to go. But one of the fundamentals of Christian community is that there is joy here. Maybe not rolling down a grassy hill kind of fun, but kind of a deep joy. And when we gather, it's because Jesus has called us to do it. The living God has issued an invitation to us, by grace, to be in fellowship with God and one another. Scripture, by the way, is full of parties— in heaven, and wedding banquets, dinner parties here on earth, all mysteriously connected in one grand celebration. You could call it a progressive party that begins here on earth, culminates in heaven. Whenever we gather here on earth, there is rejoicing in heaven. So even the angels must be having fun right now. I was listening to a preacher talk about today's gospel story, and she said she was going to call her sermon, Let's Get This Party Started. You are welcome to groan a little bit if you need to. (laughs) But the title is Theologically Appropriate. In today's beloved stories of the lost sheep, of the lost coin, and of, by the way, the prodigal son, which comes next in the text... We hear that whenever what is lost is found, there is great joy in heaven. Now Luke tells these parables in response to some Pharisees and scribes grumbling over the wrong sorts of people that Jesus is having dinner with, all those sinners and tax collectors. The stories are meant to move those grumpy, righteous people away from their complaining to a sense of joy about that very fellowship. Joy comes from knowing that no matter how far any of us strays from God's invitation, no matter how lost we become, God will seek us out and find us and throw a huge party. Classic grace stuff here, the heart of the good news. Now one could wrap up a tidy sermon right there, but this is fall kickoff here at Christ Church, and you are a pretty savvy bunch that might be expecting something more than a standard read. Not to mention that this is the day that we celebrate a new season of Christian formation and discipleship, including wrestling with Scripture more deeply. So it seems appropriate to look at these stories from a different angle, perhaps a less familiar one, because after all, Scripture is a living, breathing, holy thing. That has more than one thing to say to us on fall kickoff. So let's start with uh, some oddities about the classic way of looking at the lost sheep and the lost coin. Luke is very quick to interpret these stories for us, saying, There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Please note their repentance is not exactly in a sheep or a coin's wheelhouse. In fact, they have exactly zero capacity to acknowledge their sin and repent of it. So it's a little strange to say that these stories are about sinners who repent. And then there's how we look at the shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep to find the lost one, the woman who sweeps her whole house to find the lost coin, and, for good measure, the father who anxiously awaits the return of the prodigal son. We tend to read these three figures as allegorical stand-ins for Jesus or God. And okay, what's really fun about that, which I think I can get away with saying here at Christ Church, is that this interpretation then includes a female character for God, the woman looking for her lost coin. And if I could digress just a bit further. The funniest tweet this past past week in response to Queen Elizabeth's passing was surely the one that said, I can't believe they're going to make a man queen. (laughs) This woke nonsense has gone too far. But as fun as all of that is, Uh, The brilliant Jewish New Testament scholar Amy Jill Levine points out that first-century Jews would not have read God into the role of shepherd, sweeping woman, or forgiving father at all. In fact, she suggests that we have misnamed these stories over the years. Rather than the parable of the lost sheep or coin or prodigal son, Jews would have heard these as... The parable of the guy who lost a sheep, the parable of the woman who lost a coin, the parable of the father who lost his sons. That shift opens up a new way of hearing these stories, as ones about what to do when you lose precious things and people. In short, these are stories about people losing and searching and finding and rejoicing. There is a powerful word for us in this for people who have lost a lot in the last two and a half years. Many of us have lost family and friends during the pandemic. May God be with all who grieve their loved ones. But there are other things that we have lost too. I asked some friends what they've lost, and they said things like dinner parties spontaneous potlucks with neighbors, getting a good night's sleep, being able to shut off their worry about the news or the climate. They've lost their sense of hope, even if the New York Times is right, how to have fun anymore. It can all feel very heavy, can't it? And I hear a particular word about loss, in the image of the 99 sheep. For the record, it's hard to scan a hillside of 99 sheep and realize that one is missing. Kudos to the keen-eyed shepherd. What about our flock? I am grateful for all the ways we have stayed connected as a community of faith, including online. But I look out at the congregation each week And think about those who have not yet returned. And I worry about other people who are lost, as yet unknown to us, who have not yet heard the good news of God's grace for them. The parable of the guy who lost his sheep asks us pretty directly, what are we going to do to go find them? How will we search out the lost? That's part of our work to do together, to find and invite people into this community of unconditional love and grace. And then, to rejoice with the angels in heaven when they arrive. And speaking of rejoicing, as we begin a new season of ministry, maybe we should remind each other about the joy underlying all that we do here. Joy that God calls us together Joy that the risen Christ is moving among us. Joy that we are connected to the celebration in heaven. We heard that Jesus once told stories to help people move from grumbling to rejoicing, to move from despair to hope. Just the same, he calls us to joy and hope now. It might take a little practice to find our joy and our hope again. But this is the very place to do it. Amen.